Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker. Do you want a lawyer? Do you need a lawyer? Can you afford a lawyer? Those are a lot of questions that consumers ask themselves, and sometimes the answers are not always positive. How can, how can we improve the access to our legal system for consumers? Well, we're going to talk about that today. Our guest is Tom Gordon. He is the co-founder and the executive director of Responsive Law, which is a nonprofit organization that's working to make the legal system more accessible to consumers. There are lots of issues and lots of things that are going on that Tom's going to share with us today. So, Tom, welcome to Of Consuming Interest. Thanks, Shirley. Glad to be here. Well, you've you've been a very entertaining and informative guest in the past, so I'm looking forward to talking to you today. And tell me, what are the latest issues that you see on the, that are on the horizon or that are happening right now that paint a better picture for consumers in terms of access? Well, we've had some uh, some good news. Uh, in general, I'll say there's good news because uh, people are more and more recognizing the need for uh, for consumers to be able to get affordable legal help. And there's been more recognition within the profession and the regulators of the profession, uh, that, of the legal profession, that uh, change needs to happen so that people can get more affordable legal help. Uh, one recent development that we're very happy about, uh, we had filed a brief in a case in South Carolina in federal court uh, where the state's chapter of the NAACP was uh, seeking permission to have non-lawyers uh, who were trained to help people with uh, with housing issues, helping tenants with things like eviction, uh, helping those folks get uh, answers to their legal problems and uh, not representing them in court necessarily, but, uh, but giving them some legal advice. And they said, this is a First Amendment issue. We have the right to speak on this matter. Uh, on the other hand, there's been a long history of folks who provide legal advice without a law license being uh, prosecuted for the unauthorized practice of law. Uh, and so they wanted a judgment from the, uh, from the federal courts that said, this is, the unauth- uh, this is not the unauthorized practice of law, this is protected by the First Amendment. Uh, after a lot of maneuvering through the courts that I don't need to go into great detail about, ultimately the uh, South Carolina State Supreme Court made a decision that this is going to be allowable, that they will allow this program to proceed um, and without ruling on the merits of whether this First Amendment uh, claim is valid, they said this program can proceed. We are going to authorize it as we're allowed to do as the state Supreme Court. So we're very happy that uh, this is moving forward and that uh, people in South Carolina facing uh, uh, tenants who are facing issues with their landlords will have this resource that was uncertain until now whether it would be available. Well, because actually these people are informed educated they just don't have a law degree so if they specialize in providing information and that has been as you pointed out one of the big problems with access for consumers is just getting answers to questions about the law without having to hire an attorney so do you see this as something that will perhaps lead the way in making changes in states that are very restrictive we are seeing some changes in this area. This is not the first place where there's been a positive result in this way. Uh, litigation has actually st- uh, started to move the needle in some other places. In uh, in New York State, 
there was a there's a nonprofit called Upsold that uh, wanted to provide uh, consumers advice on debt collection. They wanted to have trained uh, trained people who again didn't have a law license, not a law degree, but people who were trained in how to fill out a simple form that uh, the New York's uh, New York legal system has for responding to somebody seeking to collect a debt from you. And so it's a one-page form, uh, very simple if you know how to fill it out. If you don't, you're going to be lost. Um, and so they said, again, on First Amendment grounds, they should have a right to, through volunteers, provide this information and provide this advice. And uh, the state of New York defended their, uh, their rule that this would be the unauthorized practice of law. This went to a federal court in New York, and the court said, this is protected by the First Amendment, so Upsolve can provide this service. That's on appeal right now uh, to the Federal Appeals Court in the Second Circuit, uh, and we filed a brief in that case, again, uh, emphasizing consumers' First Amendment right to receive this information. Um, and we are still waiting for a briefing schedule or argument schedule for that case, so we're not sure when that's going to move forward, but we are hopeful that there's a trend that will continue where courts and regulators are recognizing people's right to get legal information. I, I like the fact that it's coming under the First Amendment and they're using that as the basis for providing your freedom of speech. So that's pretty cool, Tom. And that is that is very good, especially for the consumers in those states and let's hope it turns out well for New York. Um, now you were involved, I know, in all kinds of issues. What are the big, is there a big thing that you're involved in right now that you want to share with our listeners? Uh, well, in addition to having, uh, being involved in litigation around these issues and around consumers' First Amendment right to receive legal information, we've also been involved when states are considering uh, revising their regulations, reforming them, uh, their regulations of the legal industry so that people can get more effective, more affordable legal help. And there's basically, um, two restrictions that prevent that from happening. One, as I've discussed, is unauthorized practice of law restrictions on who can provide services. The other aspect is how services are structured and how the uh, ownership of a uh, legal services company, a law firm as we would call them traditionally, uh, how that ownership is structured. And that's a little bit more complicated, but they're basically, there are restrictions on who can own any part of a law firm. Uh, and it's gotta be a lawyer. In almost every state, that's the rule. Um, and that may seem sort of arcane, but what that means is that uh, unlike every other sector of the economy, there's no ability to bring in outside capital and scale up your business. So uh, if you want to get your taxes done, you can go to H&R Block, you can get TurboTax, uh, if you can get a lot of different services there. If you want to get your oil changed, you don't have to go to a local shop, you can go to Jiffy Lube and get a national uh, affordable uh, way of getting your uh, getting your oil changed or other car services. Law doesn't have that ability. And so when you're looking at people law, you know, things like employment matters, uh, writing a will, uh, landlord tenant issues, lots of issues that people might deal with on an everyday basis. Law firms that uh, specialize in those issues are generally just a handful of lawyers and they aren't able to scale up because there's no way to get some sort of uh, infusion of capital and get that sort of idea, those sorts of ideas that, uh, that can come from outside sources as well to make affordable legal help that's uh, available at scale. And so we're trying to roll back those restrictions and let, uh, let new ownership structures arise. And that, would, uh, that will allow people to get 
more affordable help in innovative ways. We're seeing that actually one state that has experimented with this and is beginning to see results is Utah. Utah has uh, created what they call a regulatory sandbox where both of those restrictions can be removed, the unauthorized practice restriction and the restriction on ownership. And so what we're seeing in the Utah sandbox is that uh, people are getting outstanding services from new innovative uh, service providers. We're going to take a brief pause here. Uh, you're listening to Of Consuming Interest on the Federal News Network. My guest today is Tom Gordon. He's the co-founder and executive director of Responsive Law, which is a nonprofit organization fighting to get consumers easier and more affordable access to legal services. And Tom, you were telling us before about a significant change that had gone on in Utah. Uh, you referred to it as a sandbox, which um, gave us, I guess, a, an idea that we're going to go out and play in the sandbox and get some good stuff out of it and have a lot of fun. But I don't think that's what you truly meant. But tell us uh, again, if you would just uh, briefly for consumers, this is going to mean that there are going to be alternative services for consumers in Utah that will make it more affordable, the legal service. That's right. Uh, basically, two things change. One is that uh, there's an ability for people other than lawyers to provide legal services, and also that uh, more innovative businesses can uh, provide legal services other than traditional law firm structures. That will be excellent. And that, I, let's hope that that becomes a blueprint for the rest of the country, because I know you all work and you have to work on this state by state, which is a bit of a daunting task. Uh, you are a nonprofit, and I know that people can donate to Responsive Law if they want to go to your website. You make it very easy to do that. So, uh, and, I, and I just have to say, Tom, I really appreciate what you're doing because we hear from so many consumers where small claims court don't meet their needs because they don't have a large enough cap on the amount that can be, the cap is too low on the amount that can be sued for. They're just all other things that bear a bar consumers from getting the access they need. So, um, and that's that's a very positive thing there. Now, you mentioned uh, something, and you and I had talked about this before we started the, the program, something called do-it-yourself law. What, what do you all mean by that? Well, do-it-yourself law can mean a lot of things. Uh, basically, in most places in, uh, in our society and in our um, in the types of services that people have. They have the option of hiring a professional or doing it themselves or some combination of the two. Um, and that's you know very, uh, very popular. For instance, if you're doing some home repair, you can uh, hire somebody to do the whole thing and get contractors to do the work for you. You may be able to take on part of it yourself and have contractors uh, do the rest. You may be able to have contractors available to answer some questions. Um, when you need some help with a particular part of a project you're working on. In law, uh, the tradition, and not just the tradition, but sometimes because of regulation, uh, is that you hire a lawyer for the whole thing, or you have to do it yourself with no help at all. And so what we like to see is more uh, do it yourself with some help available. And we're starting to see that. Uh, law is starting to come around to have uh, lawyers who are available for a short consultation, for a 15 or 30 minute consultation to, uh, to answer some brief questions, uh, or where you can uh, get, uh, get smart answers. And AI is helping a lot with this, where you can get 
answers to legal questions with uh, references that you can follow to make sure you're answering the, that someone's answering your question correctly, but you can get some help from those, uh, from those resources. So we're seeing a growth in do-it-yourself law where people are able to uh, understand legal matters better and be able to do something they can afford, uh, which has not been the tradition in uh, the legal industry. Sure. So that instead of just um, having a blanket cost that would would cover everything, there would be parts of it that the consumer could do and then parts of it that the law firm would do. And of course, you won't get charged for the part that you do. I like that sure. model. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think your analogy of, of doing a, something on your home is a perfect one for what, what you'd like to see structured here. Um, now, when we talk about alternatives to lawyers, um, I know that paralegals have been given a hard time in some states. What's on the horizon for paralegals? Is it opening up in some states that they're able to do more? And, and what's the story there? Sure, there's uh, a movement out there to get more uh, paralegals and really anybody who is uh, qualified and competent to provide services in certain areas to be able to provide them. So we've seen movements towards, for example, well, let me back up for a second. Um, if you have, you know, if you're a paralegal and you've been working in a law firm for 20 years under a lawyer's supervision, uh, helping them draft a will, draft wills, for example, uh, you are going to be far more competent to draft a will uh, than I would be. And I'm licensed to practice law in two jurisdictions. Uh, but you don't want to go to me, you'd be much better off going to that paralegal. Uh, unfortunately, they're not allowed to, in uh, most states, provide that service directly to you, the consumer. Uh, so we are seeing a start. Utah is allowing this, for example, as I mentioned in the sandbox, and other states have also started to allow licensure of paralegals to provide services directly to consumers, uh, usually with restrictions on particular areas of law. So they may be licensed only to provide assistance in family law or landlord-tenant law or some other area. Um, and with uh, some requirements as to either level of education or level of experience uh, and some amount of testing, some combination of those to ensure that they are uh, competent to provide services to you. Um, but it is a great alternative that can lower the price significantly uh, to the consumer of getting legal help. Uh, and not everything is brain surgery. Uh, people say you wouldn't let a you know, let someone who's not a doctor do brain surgery. Why are you letting someone who's not a lawyer do write a will for you, for example? Well, not everything is brain surgery. You would let someone who's not a doctor uh, maybe remove a mole, or you'd let them uh, give you a general physical, take your blood, take your blood uh, sample. Uh, similarly, there are things that are simple in the law that people who aren't lawyers are still going to be competent to do. Sure. Oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. And, and other people too, the consumers with practical experience can help themselves, as you said, do it yourself, do it yourself law. Um, one of the, the things that I'm uh, wondering about is how, when a consumer goes to a lawyer, are you going to expect that you're going to be told uh, the charges affiliated with what you're trying to accomplish? What, what should you expect when you walk in a lawyer's office? That's a great question, Shirley. And uh, the key is for consumers to be aware of what they're, have a general idea of what they're looking for, but also to ask their lawyer specifically to uh, let them know what they charge, who's doing the work, what kind of uh, things might come up that are unexpected. Um, how do you get paid? How do, you, how do I pay you? When do I pay you? What exactly am I getting for this money? 
uh, and there's the better informed a consumer is going into their uh, lawyer's office, the happier the consumer will be and the happier the lawyer will be to know that they've got somebody who understands uh, the general idea of how an attorney-client relationship works. So give us kind of an outline of what a consumer should go in there with, and I'm sure that means a clear idea of what they want, what they uh, what their problem is, and so on. So how would you advise the consumer? And you know, many people have never used a lawyer before, so they're going in there without a background of what to do and what how to perform. So give us a, a little history and a little update on what they can do. Sure. Well, the very first thing I would advise anybody uh, who's hiring a lawyer to do is to get a fee agreement in writing. Uh, lawyers will want to do this too. At least a good lawyer will want to put their fee agreement in writing so that you're both on the same page, literally, as to uh, what is going to be charged, what amount you're going to be charged for various things, what uh, when payment is due, uh, and that way there's no surprises. Uh, so that way you know, will I get charged for uh, six minutes for my attorney of an attorney's time for them responding to my email? Will I get charged uh, more if something takes longer than expected? What are you know, are there flat rates available? What are what are the payments that are going to be required? Um, and that will help you in understanding uh, what you're going to have to pay for the lawyer's assistance and give you an idea of what this is likely to cost you overall. Obviously, like much like if you go to a mechanic to fix your car, you may not know exactly how much it's going to cost, but they can give you a ballpark idea and they can tell you, look, I'm going to charge you this much per hour for these things. This is what I'm going to charge you as a flat rate for other things. Um, and that will all be clear up front. So that's the most important thing is to get, the, uh, get a fee agreement in writing. Well, just as someone who works with consumers all the time, I would say, please make sure that you have with you all the important documents. Try to do a timeline of what you're discussing, going to be discussing. When I say timeline, I mean if it's an event that occurred over a period of time. Try to sort your calendar out. Do all that before you go to the lawyer's office and the clock starts ticking. So, and, and the more prepared you are, I would think, Tom, the better you're going to be able to help yourself and save yourself some money. Absolutely. And those are all things that uh, even before you talk to the lawyer, when you set up the appointment, uh, you should be able to ask, hey, what should I bring? What should I have prepared? What's going to make this right. meeting go more smoothly? That's a, that is, yes, because that really is the part of the keys to get your meeting off on the, on the right foot. Because I know when consumers contact Call for Action, you know, that's the first thing we're going to ask them. You know, do you have documentation? What's the story? What happened? And we want a, a timeline as much as you can possibly do. And, you know, the other thing, if it's like damage to a car or something, take pictures. This is my advice to all consumers. Take pictures, you know, because they, they can say an awful lot in support of your case. Okay, let's go back. The, my favorite subject, and I bet you know what it is, small claims court. Tom, are we ever going to see the states raising the limits on the small claims court so consumers can go there and represent themselves and not have to take a lawyer and get money amounts that are reasonable in today's economy? You know, it's it's really a, sort of a, a missing part of the legal spectrum. When, uh, when you're looking at litigation, you've got uh, litigation over large amounts of money where you can usually get a lawyer to handle it for you at a uh, cost that's not going to be excessive for the amount that you're contesting. Uh, and for small claims courts, uh, for disputes under a certain amount, you can go and do this on your own in front of, you know, it's 
it's like uh, I don't want to say Judge Judy. I'd go back as far as the People's Court with Judge Wapner. Uh, for those who mm -hmm. go back that far, where a judge will not based on your personality or how you present yourself, but based on the evidence and the law, uh, be able to take information from you and let you present your case and uh, explain your dispute and make a fair decision about it. Uh, but that's unfortunately only available. Uh, for a very small amount. In most states, it's $10,000 or less, and that's just uh, not a high enough limit to cover most of, not most of, but to cover many uh, common consumer issues. That's you know far less than the price of a car, for example. Um, it's yeah. less than the price of many home repairs. So a lot of these things, you'd either have to uh, try and do it yourself without a lawyer where uh, in a court where lawyers are expected, or uh, hire a lawyer, which is just not going to be cost effective for something that's worth maybe $20,000. Right. That's exactly right. And that's the dilemma that consumers face is how, how do they prepare themselves and then have to go hire a lawyer? I mean, I suspect that there would be a lot of cases that could go to small claims court. And, you know, you can hire a lawyer if you want to go hire someone to go with you to small claims. But we would see consumers utilizing it more because a lot of these consumers, Tom, at least this is how I feel, they're not going to hire a lawyer for a $20,000 case because of what it costs, unless they get really mad, maybe. But I, I don't know. Does that seem reasonable to you? I, I would think if, if I were dealing with something like that, I would really be reluctant to hire a lawyer. Um, I would try to find some way to get it done. But if small claims of court is not available, then I'm lost. Right. Now, one thing you can do in that situation uh, is you could talk to a lawyer about what your options are. You may be able to get some coaching from a lawyer on uh -oh. what to do if you do uh, represent yourself in a court where lawyers usually are expected. Um, but that's not the same as, uh, as having a lawyer represent you. And if you go in there and you don't know the rules of the court, the rules of evidence, the rules of procedure, you're going to be very lost. Uh, a good judge yeah. will help you through that up here by yourself, but that's not a guarantee. No, and that's not something you really could count on. Yes. Well, it, it's um, it's good to see you out there doing all this, Tom. And I, I really do want to uh, encourage our listeners to learn more about the law, learn more what your options are. And, you know, I mean, I think we need to talk to our legislators about getting the small claims courts limited uh, limits raised. I, I just can't understand that. I mean, for a while there, it seemed like we were seeing some motion in that direction, but then it just kind of ended. It, is that a fair assessment? I, I think it has not uh, moved as, as rapidly as it has in the past. Uh, and yeah. it would be great to have those uh, raised and then indexed uh, to inflation so that you don't have to keep going back to the legislature and saying, hey, we need to get that limit raised again so it's not stuck at $5,000 or $10,000. I like that idea. Hang, hook it onto inflation. It'll be zooming up right now. All right, Tom, as always, it's been great to have you. The, the website is responsivelaw.org. My guest today has been Tom Gordon. He is the co-founder and executive director of Responsive Law. And we've been talking about the ways that we can make the legal system more accessible to you. So uh, we hope that you'll get out there and fight the good battle. Complain to your legislators. Tell them you want a higher limit on small claims court because you never know when you're going to need it. So anyway, Tom, again, thank you. Very informative, very useful information. And you've been listening to Up Consuming Interest right here on the Federal News Network. 
I'm Shirley Rooker, and you can reach me at Shirley at callforaction.org. So thank you for joining us. Of Consuming Interest is a public service program presented by WJLA 7 Call for Action, hosted by Shirley Rooker. Call for Action is an international nonprofit network of hotlines which offer free and confidential assistance. If you have a complaint, contact Call for Action at 301-652-HELP. That's 301-652-HELP.